Today on The Courier Daily, a snapshot of how one restaurant owner is surviving the crisis. Before this all started out, I basically did about three or four risk assessments and SWOTs. I think that was so useful because it was able for me not to focus on our weaknesses and our threats so much, but also think about what's your strengths and what's your opportunities out of all of this. And a bit later on, PR do's and don'ts for small business. I do think you do need to be nodding to the situation and it needs to be real. It can't just sound superficial like, oh, I found this really tenuous news hook to jump onto coronavirus, which is why you should be talking about my business right now. It needs to be real. And I hate to use the word authentic, but do be authentic. Do be honest. I'm Daniel Giacopelli. It's the 30th of March, and this is the brand new daily podcast from Courier. I'll be catching up with small business owners all over the world every day to hear how they're adapting, pivoting, and surviving. We'll be doing the same thing in our new Courier Weekly email newsletter, so make sure to subscribe at couriermedia.co slash sign up. And you could also download a free digital edition of the latest issue of Courier Magazine on our web shop. Right, so first up today, I'm here with Elizabeth Haig. She's a Michelin-starred chef who just launched a brand new restaurant in London's Borough Market. It's a Singaporean-style kopitiam called Maymay. Back in January, Elizabeth, you guys received literally one of the most glowing restaurant reviews I've ever read from Tim Hayward of the FT. He called you one of the country's most promising young chefs and said about one of your dishes, I cheerfully sell my mother for a whole meal of it. When I read that, I said, you guys are going to go really, really far. And now here we are, Maymay's closed. And I'm wondering what the last few months has been like for you. The last few months have been, I think, opening a new business is like a roller coaster. I think the past few months has almost been like the roller coaster of all hell. We had such highs when we got those incredible reviews. Yeah, like you say, we were just gobsmacked. Business was great, like for, I'd say, almost like two, three weeks. And then we started seeing this drop. And then the news with the virus was already spreading from China and Italy. And of course, being our main core audience, being Asian and Southeast Asian, we kind of felt there was this like uncertainty in the air. Oh, the past few like month or two has just been heartbreaking. I remember reading your tweets just a few weeks ago when Boris made that announcement that people should avoid restaurants, but it wasn't necessarily against the law to visit them and to put restaurants in a, in a bind because it meant footfall dropped, but you didn't have the capability to get insurance or whatever to, to make up for your losses. You were pretty frustrated then, weren't you? Yeah, I think the whole country's been a level of frustration because there's been mixed information. Well, I read online that, you know, we're getting an infodemic. There's just way too much information and we can't sift through what is the correct information anymore. And I think my frustration really stemmed from that, like you say, the government saying avoid restaurants, but restaurants can still open and operate. And I think it's a lot clearer now what a lot of restaurants have been doing is switching to the sort of takeaway and collect service or morally, I couldn't tell my team to come in. The team started getting very anxious coming in and I knew it was my sort of like primary care duty to keep them safe and it was their well-being at first mind. And I can't operate my business without a team. I mean, I tried to do what I could on my own, but it's... How many staff do you have? We apply five full-time and then there's me. I think it was just really... Yeah, I had to say to them that they, it's up to them whether they wanted to work or not. And then I was getting a lot of online abuse when I did open for the last few days. And we were running basically, the way Maymay is designed, is quite, there's quite a space anyway between us and the customer. Because I've designed everything that is one kitchen and then the customer sits around the kitchen. But there's at least like already a meter and a half depth between 
us and the customer, even not including the table. So, I mean, there's plenty of space between us, but people are still saying, oh, it's irresponsible for you to say people should come to work or how dare you be, you know, harming your staff by asking them to come in. And I was like, look, this was completely voluntary. I mean, if they don't come in, how am I going to afford to pay them? This is before all the job retention scheme had any information. So... So you guys decided not to go down the delivery route because of staff welfare, basically? I mean, there's no right or wrong. I want to say, like, people who are opening, it's not they're not, you know, caring for their own staff welfare. It's just that in our instance, like, I don't live in London, so it takes me over an hour door-to-door to get to the site, and it would be really hard to just do the operations on my own. I have put all the staff on a job retention scheme, so technically they can't work for me now. And I think that's the best route, of course, because I, I want to be able to support them. I don't feel like with our business that if we operate as a takeaway, would there be enough business, I mean, to support staff anyway, myself? How much do I prepare? I want to prepare a lot of food and then waste it. What are the margins like in the restaurant world? I mean, they're known to be razor thin, but I mean, could you open the books a bit and just say like week by week, what's it look like? Yeah, they're definitely razor thin, definitely in the food in industry. I think, as I say, we were starting to do really well after those reviews we had. And then we started like seeing like a big increase in our turnover. And then we were like, OK, great, let's buy a bit more then to, you know, keep up with this trend. And therefore, then we would completely crashed. So if you're out of work for like a week, I mean, it's like hugely detrimental. Or is it a week? Is it a month? I mean, what are, what are we talking? Let's just put in perspective. The day we closed, we were given our, a rent invoice for 100%. <laughs> and, you know, each day I'm at home or not working or operating, then that debt is still over your head. And you, that you still got to pay for those bills. You still got to pay for lots of liabilities and, you know, the insurance and rent, service charge, electricity, that's still racking up and we're closed. I mean, we also got to have enough cash flow for each week to pay for the staff that are on the job retention scheme. I mean, yes, we'll get that back, but it could be possibly six weeks. I mean, that's, so that means it cuts into the next payroll. So it's really a bit of a balance on how we manage the cash. I mean, cash is king. And unfortunately, in the restaurant business, it's, it's very slim. I saw on Twitter, you said that Maymay might open an e-commerce store in April. Is that something that you had in the works prior to all of this madness? Or is that a result of you trying to diversify? I think it was definitely like our phase two with Maymay that we wanted to go into our retail and e-commerce. For me, like I absolutely think that our, some of our products is suited for that. It was basically our step two, our phase two. Like I've been developing curry paste, powders, sauces, uh, chilies, and it was always my dream to kind of get that into the sort of mainstream and get it out there to the public nationwide so we're not just focused on one place. Maymay was never meant to be just Maymay in, in the market. It was meant to be lots of nooks and crannies over across London, but obviously that expansion is now completely on hold. It's just about survival mode now. And then I think it's kind of literally shoved us into looking at how we can operate not being at Maymay. So that's what I said about if people sign up to our newsletter, we're going to give out basically little snippets, little recipes each week on how you can maybe use some of these items that we'll be selling. Because we had such a lovely, loyal fan base and customer base and loyal customers. And it really breaks my heart that I don't get to see and have a conversation with them every day. Like this one guy is a local pharmacist. He comes and has a butter coffee every day. And we'd have a conversation about, you know, what everything's been going through and 
I just want to still keep that connection between our customers and May May and also to help keep me sane. <laughs> <laughs> I was reading, I don't know if you saw the David Chang interview in the New York Times a couple of days ago. I mean, he had a really long interview. I mean, it wasn't good. I mean, he said the restaurant industry is heading for like a worst case scenario where he thinks it's going to change forever. Maybe for a lot of people who don't understand that, I mean, there's so many people out there who say, okay, this will boil over in, in two months and restaurants will be back open. Or will we eat differently? Will we experience restaurants differently? Which is what a lot of people are saying, but many people don't understand why that is. Again, I'm not going to say I'm any expert or this is just a pure on my opinion that I think that, I think what people don't realize is a massive knock-on effect. So it is kind of like the ripple in the pond. So the first effect is like we haven't got our customers, so we're having to adapt and change. I think the next thing that's going to be affected is the supply chain because everyone's stockpiling, cooking at home and producing more waste. But also there's not the same amount of people that are out picking and harvesting this food. So I think that's going to be the next effect. How that will affect the restaurant industry, I'm not sure. Right now there's plenty of supply, not scaremongering anyone, but it's just that we need to be aware of that, what could happen touch wood like when we do reopen it's going to be like almost everyone swarms out to goes out to eat but I don't know in what capacity we'll be allowed to do that and when we're allowed to do that I think I'd like to think that people learn appreciate what the hospitality industry brings I think it's we're going to have to be really really clever with what our margins are in terms of like uh, offering a lot of my offering from May May depends on stuff coming from Asia's is that going to be affected about how I'm going to be able to import my same ingredients or we provide a service, and I think that right now, I think that's what's been appreciated and also missed the most. You're not running a global restaurant empire. A lot of those guys are really screwed because the economics don't work out. You at least, I mean, you have five employees, which is not zero employees, but you probably have a better chance of rebounding, being more nimble, I guess. Yeah, I think with um, particularly our small little business, like we're very flexible because we're in such an early phase of our business that and our journey that we are a lot, lot more nimble and we are able to, okay, let's stop doing, you know, stop doing the restaurant. We're going to focus on the e-commerce and the retail and start doing, you know, small, small deliveries and expand. We can do that. I think the cons about that is that, yeah, I can't go to a bank as easily as these big companies be like, oh, I want a loan. You know, no one's going to give me a loan. A lot of these grants as well, frustrating because they're like, oh, it's a percentage of your 2019 turnover. Okay, well, I opened early December. So <laughs> how does that help? It doesn't. So there's pros and cons to it. I think, like I said, definitely my staff comes first. And I think, you know, we're lucky that we are in a position that we were able to cover them for their March pay and also put them on furloughed leave. So they are covered. I mean, so many people look up to you in the industry. Uh, I mean, Tim Hayward call you one of the country's most promising young chefs. I mean, you have a voice in the industry. What would you say to people, you know, who are looking to you and looking to what you're doing right now and how you're reacting in a more proactive way. I mean, I know you say right now you're in survival mode and, you know, fair enough, everybody's in survival mode to try to just make it to the end of the week. Are there any proactive things that you can say to other young restaurateurs and chefs? I think you've really got to get really, really comfortable and look at your P&L and your cash flow. It's hot, like scrutinize absolutely everything. That's all my husband and business partner have been doing for the last two weeks is, is just scrutinizing everything like can we cut do we need that do we need to have we don't need pages anymore so you know cut everything that you need to that what you can survive on then break down and have a look like i said with may we are adapt we are able to look at online takeaways and 
delivery service and retail. And I've been calling up as many businesses as possible that, you know, like online e-commerce is trying to squeeze every bit out of them and say, I don't want to pay a subscription fee. I want to get this sort of, you know, transaction fee. I think you've just got to be really frugal. That's the main thing because, you say, survival mode means basically surviving what we can do and what we can adapt to manage and handle right now i think when before this all started out i basically did about three or four risk assessments and swats i think that was so useful because it was able for me not to focus on our weaknesses and our threats so much but also think about what's your strengths and what's your opportunities out of all of this and so us we saw all right it's an opportunity for us to kind of push into phase two in our our retail quicker than we wanted to but it means it's great for the brand but i think you've got to keep as positive as possible everyone is in the same boat and so you've got to just maintain that optimism it's very easy to keep reading the news and the doom and gloom and it is frustrating we're all upset and we're all hurting basically but there's plenty of people there in the same boat and you know my inbox is always open I've opened it on Twitter and I've opened it on Instagram so if anyone wants any advice they can contact me directly I'm no expert but I've always you know maintain that if anyone needs a someone to bounce off then I'm there So we're crossing now to a dear friend of Courier, Lucy Werner, who is a PR expert for small businesses. Lucy, I've probably received more press releases in the last two weeks than I've ever received in my entire life as a journalist. Tons are tone deaf. Tons are good. Some are trying to speak like humans. Some are a bit robotic. What's your take on the situation right now from a PR perspective? <laughs> I'm, I'm really embarrassed on behalf of the people who've been sending press releases because as you know I kind of hate them just in general the opportunities for small businesses have never been more rife I think in the immediate sort of aftermath of what was happening people were a bit scared about pushing themselves out there but actually the media seemed to be really backing small business so I'm seeing like tv requests newspaper requests different kind of organizations who want to pay business experts to be talking on their platforms way more than I've ever seen in the 16 years I've worked in publicity but I think it's getting it right so yeah it's just I think people do definitely need to be watching their tone and how and how they're using this moment to be talking because all of a sudden everybody's like hey friend please support us when they've never really spoken like that before yeah definitely I mean I always sort of tell people they need to start with doing their homework which sounds like this really non-sexy part of publicity is what I talk about like in my PR book whenever I do a talk it's like go back to your strategy like why are you here who are you here for what do you do what's your mission does that stay the same does it need to pivot and how are you now talking about yourself and I think people need to be doing that piece of work first before they speak to anyone we got you on here to do a no bullshit five tips for small businesses right now in this time what's number one that would be number one like do your homework go back to your mission why are you here who are you here for why is your business doing what it does does it need to pivot does it need to innovate and the way you speak to your consumer lots of people have kind of pre-written out marketing materials or social media posts go back start from scratch and check if this is the real really the way you need to be communicating at this time all right what's number two Number two, I would say is identify journalists and reactive moments that you want to be talking about, right? So let's say you're a gardening business. This weekend, there's been so many supplements talking about how you can be gardening on a balcony and how you can have indoor plants. Like it's a really good moment for gardening, for example. Also, let's also point out you've probably lost a lot of travel and leisure sections. 
Look at the people who are writing about your business. So if you have a gardening product, who are the people that are talking about gardening and not just those gardening supplements, but also small business journalists, maybe your local media as well. And just sort of find the kind of the few different places that you could slot into. You know, when you mentioned the gardening thing, do you think we'll very quickly get tired of the working from home angle? I don't think we will. I think we're just going to see in an increase in sort of pivots. There's been lots of requests for interior design, interior on a budget, DIY hacks, you know, how you can have your at-home office. I think like office interiors, office interiors has been the least sexy product development space for years. I think there's probably going to be the emergence of really cool office interior brands now that we've never seen before. That would be my prediction. But I think There was a lot of recipe supplements talking about how to use the products in your store cupboard. I think, you know, this isn't a sprint. This is a marathon. So that we're going to see a range of topics in those areas coming up in the next few months. Cool. What's the third tip? Third tip is the most ignored part of the paper. Letters pages, opinion pages, first person articles. Um, I see so many businesses ignore this, but actually right now is the time to put your face behind the business and talking about what's happening and how it's affecting you is a great way to be talking. So it shouldn't just be about you constantly pushing your product to your service. It could be talking about how what's happening is affecting you and put that human interest story first. So I got paid to write an article I've wanted to write for ages about how my personal resilience has been tested way in advance of this situation happening and how it sort of prepared me as a business to cope at this time. And it took my milk being nicked off my doorstep to give me that why now hook. So I pitched in that my milk's been nicked and and then kind of took the story on. So it's kind of like finding... Somebody really steal the milk from your doorstep? Yeah. That's the most um, old-fashioned crime I can think of. <laughs> I know. Apparently, cars are actually driving up to milk crates and st- stealing entire crates. It's, I didn't even realize milk was in demand, but I guess it's just everything right now. Do you think, I mean, you talk about the opinion thing. Do you think first-person LinkedIn posts from the founder, from the CEO are effective? Because every single founder on the planet right now is writing a, a LinkedIn post about how they're adapting their company. I do think they're effective. I think if you look at the newspaper, you've never seen like supermarket owners, for example, they're just taking out adverts of full on letters. You know, we're hearing about Boris is writing letters to all of us and all of our households. Now is the time for the face of the company to step forward and show like, we are here and we're here for our company and we're here for you as the consumer. So yeah, absolutely. And I think it's really sorting the wheat from the chaff. We're seeing who we think are good businesses. And people are talking about like how they're compiling lists of businesses they're definitely going to be buying from in the future after this is all done and the ones that are going to be ignored and I think it's important at this time to be an honest thought leader and on LinkedIn actually I've been spying so many cool stories about small businesses on LinkedIn from people sharing it I think LinkedIn's suddenly like the place to be because everyone's like the Instagram's that had such an influx you can't move for lives and noise but LinkedIn if you're a small business doing something cool talk about it on there and I'm sure it's going to get lots of pickup. All right, what's your fourth tip? Fourth tip, calendar dates. People are still ignoring this, but like Mother's Day was epic for small businesses. There was cat food cakes who got on BBC News. She told me that off the back of that like BBC footage, she was able to pay the rent on her shop for the next four weeks. She's essentially shut her shop and was doing online delivery. Now, obviously, delivery services has kind of got a bit old already because a lot of people are switching from being like in, in real life 
service to delivery services. So that is going to get old before too long. But I think if you're hooking it to a calendar date, next coming up is Easter. And then before long, we're going to have the summer holidays. So how your business is pivoting for those calendar occasions is a great reason to be speaking to the media. I would think that a lot of founders are worried that if they shift from crisis communications to business as usual, then people might criticize them. If they start pretending that everything's all fine and you stop dropping the coronavirus angle from all of their Instagram posts, that people will be like, hold on, people are dying. Is that a valid concern, do you think? Absolutely. And I think you have to be mindful of that. And that's also why, which leading to my fifth point quite nicely is don't blanket news releases uh, because it doesn't work. If you have a generic kind of piece of copy that talks about your product or service, that's fine. In the instance of, say, like cat food cakes and Mother's Day example that I mentioned before, that only works because she's talking about how she's had to change her business because of what's happened and the health and safety of her customers. So I do think you do need to be nodding to the situation and it needs to be real. It can't just sound superficial like, oh, I found this really tenuous news hook to jump onto coronavirus, which is why you should be talking about my business right now. It needs to be real. And I hate to use the word authentic, but do be authentic, do be honest. And journalists are going to pick up on that as well. I think it's okay to say, actually, my sales are struggling, so I've pivoted to do this. It would be great if you could mention it if you're doing an article that's doing a roundup of top 10 businesses that do cleaning products or, you know, whatever the topic is. But there's a thin line between being really desperate and just being honest. My special thanks to Elizabeth Haig and Lucy Werner for today's show. Make sure to sign up to Courier Weekly for more stories of pivoting, adapting, surviving and growing head to couriermedia.co slash sign up. You could also download a free digital edition of the latest issue of the magazine on our web shop. I'm Daniel Giacopelli. The Courier Daily is back again tomorrow. Tomorrow.